the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management, and they offer you a free consultation with no obligation at all if you'd like to get with them and talk about investing toward your retirement, toward financial independence later on in life. No obligation at all, and they're easy to get to because they're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, not far from the 23270 interchange. You can set that consultation up by calling their office at 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040, or you can make your appointment online. Their web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh, welcome into another show, and uh, we've got some uh, political events going on in our country that certainly tend, uh, appear to be shaping us toward an election in November between familiar combatants Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and I would imagine the Economy will be a big source of uh, conversation about that and whether people were better off under the Trump presidency or whether they were better off under the Biden presidency. And the Biden uh, team got some numbers this week that I'm sure they're going to trumpet. And the fact that the GDP growth for the year was up three point, uh, I think, one percent and the inflation numbers they're portraying as coming under control, and that might lead to low infl- uh, low interest rates by the Fed coming up in March. So I wonder what you make of these latest numbers, because in the first segment of the show, we always try to tackle current events and current trends and news headlines. And was the uh, GDP number this week a number that people should have great confidence in? And do you expect that that will result in the Fed lowering interest rates in March? Well, I think they're linked, but they're not codependent. Uh, The fact that uh, the GDP numbers were higher than expected is always a good thing. And just to remind everybody, GDP is a measure of what the U.S. as a country produces, essentially. It's our gross domestic product. So anytime that's up, it's a good indication that companies are doing well. And the market took note of that um, today being relatively flat. But yesterday, obviously, reacting favorably particularly the Dow and the larger kind of blue chip companies. Uh, But, you know, does that necessarily mean that we're going to see the lowering of interest rates? Uh, That's yet to be seen. I, I, I think, you know, originally at the end of last year, the widespread belief amongst forecasters was that by second quarter of 2024, we would probably see a tapering of interest rates by the Fed. And that was large in part because the Fed came out and almost said as much. 
But then fast forward to a later meeting and they said, you know, don't think so fast. We still have a lot of obstacles ahead of us. And our target is still very much getting inflation down to 2%. Now, I don't know that they'll actually push that metric as hard as maybe they're trumpeting, but I think they're going to try. But I don't think they're going to try at the peril of the economy. And in my opinion, although these GDP numbers look strong, we have a lot of other things that are pushing against us uh, with things like wages and costs of homeownership, et cetera. I don't think that we're going to see a drastic cut in interest rates, and I don't believe that that'll probably happen until later in the year. But, I mean, all that being said, even including the um, arguable dumpster fire that this next election will be amongst, like you said, two uh, people we've seen before, um, I, I think that this year could be a pretty volatile year, uh, but hopefully one that ends favorably. Well, we've talked often about the fact that uh, very many times one headline appears promising and the next headline or the uh, data behind the headline may not be all that promising. You know, uh, when I looked at the growth in GDP, uh, the people who probably are predisposed to dismiss the growth would say that a lot of that was due to government spending and that government theoretically cannot spend, you know, uh, at that level. Uh, unabated, and that's essentially tax money is where the government gets all of its money. It would be different, I think, if the economy were growing at a 3% rate because the housing market, for instance, is booming. Because if the housing market's booming, then uh, we know that construction is booming and jobs in construction are booming and lumber is booming. And there's a whole bunch of other industries that would feed into that. Uh, the truth of the matter is the housing market is not doing very well right now, and that's not a surprise because a lot of people want to avoid refinancing their homes or buying bigger homes or they're kept from buying their first home because of high interest rates. The housing market is down for the second straight quarter at 27%. So maybe the GDP number is good, but it could be maybe it could be the exact same number, but if some of the factors playing into it namely perhaps housing or U.S. manufacturing or something like that, or exports over government spending, that might be a little bit better for the long-term prospects of the economy. Am I on am I on solid ground in saying that, or am I on shaky ground? I think you are. Anytime we, we put a little bit too much credence in one ratio or one number, it's kind of the old joke in the business world is you give me an Excel spreadsheet, and I'll let, I'll make it say whatever you want it to say with the same numbers that you give me in different ways. And I think some of these ratios are, you know, GDP being one of them, the jobs report being another, then you have, well, you have the jobs report and then you have an unemployment report. And somehow you can look at those two reports and go, well, if the jobs are here and the unemployment's here, how come they don't add up necessarily? Um, and I think you, you get some of that, but we have a lot of challenges ahead. I mean, you know, the numbers, another thing that came through is the numbers from 2023 came through with kind of median income and car payments and stuff like that. And that doesn't really paint a very rosy picture for the average American with car payments, you know, up hundreds of dollars a month, all the way up to about seven and a quarter a month, stretching those car payments out over a longer period of time. Used to be car loans are five years. Now they're, you know, five and a half, even pushing into six uh, years long. Housing costs, you know, just because of interest rates are up almost 50%. Um, and then you have healthcare costs are up, utility costs, all the stuff that we know about. So, you know, there's a lot of concerns about how do we come in for this quote unquote soft landing that we've heard so many times from the Fed. And on one hand, you could say, well, let's lower interest rates and that'll make all of these things go down. Obviously, if interest rates are lower, then car payments are lower and so are house payments. But then the flip side of that is 
well, if interest rates lower, well, we still have a supply problem. Well, that just boosts costs up. And then things become even more unaffordable. And then, God forbid, if there's one thing we've learned, once costs for things go up, they usually don't retreat. So if we have to raise interest rates again, well, now we've exacerbated the problem and we're in a full-blown recession. So I don't think there's any shortage of challenges to look at, but I think there's a clear-cut path on how you can live your life to weather these storms and really succeed in the storms as well. Yeah, those are great points. And, you know, obviously the focus of what we talk about here on the Appus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show is people working toward investing toward retirement. And when you talk about costs going up, costs go up with, you know, can be summarized under one word, inflation. And inflation is the enemy of someone who is uh, in retirement because you have income that comes from your investments. Uh that income is probably not going to increase at the rate prices are going up. We've seen a significant increase in prices over the past year or two. But I did see a headline today on Yahoo and the inflation rate when Joe Biden took office was under 2%. That's where the Fed likes to see it. Stable prices. Uh, the inflation rate pretty much since he's taken office has been considerably higher than that. But you and I have speculated before here on the show about whether or not we'll reach in the Fed's eyes the quote new normal where the 2% number will prove so hard to get back to that it'll suddenly be moved to maybe 3% or whatever that'll be considered acceptable. So this headline stuck out at me from Yahoo today and it said the Federal Reserve got the inflation reading it wanted when the central bank could begin cutting rates is still a toss up and here's the first paragraph of the story. The Fed's preferred inflation measure, a core personal consumption expenditures index, the one that excludes food and energy prices, which are the two most volatile sectors, clocked in at 2.9% for the month of December, beating estimates. So 2.9% in this story is being portrayed at, aha, the first number is two. So we've met the goal. 2% 2% inflation, when in fact, much closer to 3% than we are 2%. Yeah, I think you'll see that. I mean, a goal is great. We all have goals, right? Um, and sometimes we set our goals a little lofty, you know, particularly uh, this time of year, where we're going to go from eating, you know, nothing but chips and crackers to uh, eating perfectly and working out perfectly. But we know that that usually doesn't last. And I don't think that even in coming up with economic policies, we're immune to that. I think the Fed wanted to see that number in the twos. Obviously, this is all hypothesis. Um, but I think the fact that we're in, our, in the twos is a good thing. Uh, if you look historically speaking, you know, having inflation in the twos, whether it be 2.9 or 2.0, uh, is good for an economy. So I don't think we have to be down in those, you know, 2.0 numbers. I, I think if the Fed could get it between two and a half and three, they'd probably feel pretty happy about that. And and if GDP continues to grow and other metrics look good, I think then that's a good indication that we'll start tapering rates, which is what really everybody wants to see. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, certainly what everybody wants to have happen is they want to have their investments be at a level when they get to retirement that they can provide for the things that they want, whether it's housing costs or whether it's being able to buy a new car every now and then, take a vacation. Everybody has a different picture of what retirement looks like for them. One of the best ways for you to form a a reasonable reasonable picture, and uh, perhaps uh, if you're in your, say, 30s, 40s, or 50s, 
a picture of what retirement could look like if you become very disciplined at it right now, saving for it, investing in it, is to sit with Josh and his team for the Aptus uh, consultation that is totally free, no obligation. And you can set that up by calling their office at 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Their office is physically located in Lewis Center. It's just off Route 750, very easy to get to. If you're outside the area and you're listening to the program online or you're listening to the replay tomorrow at noon, yes, they do service clients outside the area. If possible, they'd like to have you in the office for the consultation. So just personal interaction is a really good thing as you get to assess each other and as they get to run through their process with you in assessing where you are in your investing right now and where you are in terms of your risk tolerance and some of your goals. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, without getting into specifics, Josh, uh, inflation when it was at its peak was like over 9%, okay? And once that means that the prices in, say, June of 2023 were in the parameters that they look at and the sectors that they look at were 9%, 9 9.1% higher across the board than they were in June of 2022. When inflation goes back down to right now, it's at 2.9%, that core number, that doesn't mean that the prices go back down. The prices stay where they are. So you alluded to some of the prices and they are eye popping because once the prices go up, then we all need our wages and everything to keep up. And some of these knocked my eyes out that the uh, average house payment is up 46%. Yeah. Uh, average new car payment. What did you say that is? Uh, it's at 726, which is, I mean, it's at least 46% increase, if not more. Wow, those numbers are staggering. So you have a lot of clients who are in the midst of retirement, and maybe they had plans for their retirement income, because that's what we're doing when you plan uh, smartly for retirement is you're taking income. You may not be working anymore, but you're taking income from your investments to meet your cost of living. So I'd be curious to know to the extent that you can disclose it. I'm sure you've had some interesting and maybe angst-ridden phone calls with clients over the past year, because I can definitely remember uh, a year or so ago going out in public, running into a friend, asking him how he is, and the first words out of his mouth were, how do you think I'm doing? My 401k is down X number of dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when times are really good, and you can define really good in a in a myriad of ways, but let's just use really good as one example when interest rates are really low. When wages are high and interest rates are really low, you can borrow a lot of money to get a lot of stuff that you can't necessarily afford. And this may sound like a crazy concept, but not being able to afford something means that you don't have the cash to pay for it. And I can't tell you how many times somebody will say, well, I went and I got a loan because it was 2% money. So why would you pay cash? And my response was always, well, did you have the cash? Well, no. Well, then you didn't pay cash because you didn't have it, not because it was a better idea to do 2% loans. So my point in that little exercise is when when things are like that, and, and let's be honest, they've been like that for a really, really long time. We tend to live beyond our means. And saving becomes secondary. We pay ourselves last. We pay our bills first. And when you look at the, these statistics that you've said, like car payments being 726, 
mortgage payments being over $2,000 a month, health insurance costs are up, utility costs were up almost 30% in 2023. And then you look at the median income of somebody in retirement. You go, well, how the heck are you going to retire? Well, if you don't have anything paid off and you're still living with all of your stuff being a debt, then you better have saved a lot of money or you have some problems. And I think that points us to one example of things that we can do. And I'm going to sound uh, somewhat old school for those of you who listen to TikTok and all that other stuff all the time and say, well, apparently the way you get rich is through leverage. Yes, you can definitely get rich through borrowing money and investing it. You can also go broke and upside down very, very quickly. But what brings what I've experienced, at least in retirement, and I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen people worth $20, $30 million that have a lot of leverage, and I've seen people worth three, dollars $400,000 that don't have any leverage. And almost universally, with very few exceptions, the least amount of ongoing debts that you have is almost directly proportional to your happiness in retirement. Matter of fact, if you read through uh, all of the, you can read a, a million articles on this. What makes you happy in retirement? Usually it's sense of purpose, doing, there's a bunch of things that you can do there. None of them are leveraging and uh, debt to build a net worth. Nobody says I'm happy in retirement because I have tons of payments, but I have figured out an arbitrage strategy to make millions of dollars. So the way that you beat this potential downside is you get back to the way that your parents did it. You have a budget, you live within your means, you save money, which grows exponentially because you invest it, not just save it. And you keep your debts within reason because you don't need to live in a million dollar house if you make $100,000 a year. The end. Yeah, what's interesting to me is, you know, there are very few things. We live in a very polarized culture and we have a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. You can throw a word association game out. You could throw throw the word uh, truth out. You could throw the word justice out. You could throw any number of words out in the, and the opinions on what that actually means would vary dramatically. When you throw the word, um, a happy retirement out, I don't know that anybody envisions like living on food stamps or struggling to pay bills or like everybody has a vision that retirement is going to be nirvana. Like you're going to be rewarded for your hard work and you're going to have good good investments and you're going to be living the good life like that's what everyone ideally views retirement as you were sharing with me some interesting viewpoints of different age groups in what people envision they need to get to that point and it's it's possible for everyone to get to that vision that they have I'm not sure the path to it, though, is something that all these different age brackets are disciplined enough to follow in order to get there. Yeah, I would say there's one universal truth in all of retirement planning, all of, let's not even call it retirement planning, let's call it financial independence, independent wealth, having the ability to not have to work for somebody else. That's what we all dream to be able to do. To live a life on our own terms, not somebody else's. Now, you, we can make some debates over what should I invest my money in? Should I have a lot of debt or no debt? Should I you know, rely on this or rely on that? But one universal truth that remains the same is you have to start with a way of discipline and a methodology, saving money and in turn investing those dollars in something and starting that as early as possible. 
Uh, there's a book, the first book I ever read on finance is a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, it's it's a really old, old book. It's a very short read. I think it's probably only 100 pages. But it's an entire book that gives all these anecdotal metaphorical tales about the olden ways of how to build wealth. But ultimately what it points to is pay yourself first, then pay all your other stuff. And nobody's going to debate that. Whether you want to invest in NFTs or you want to invest in stocks or you want to put your money in CDs or real estate, it all starts with a systematic way of holding back some money, paying yourself first so that at some point you can live off the dividends or the rewards of that investment. Yeah, and pay yourself first is just um, a different way of saying discipline, ingraining discipline into your investing, into your savings. And it's great to save. Um, investing and saving a lot of times get confused. They are different. Saving is, you know, you can put your money under your mattress. You're saving it. Uh, it's not going to grow under your mattress. Like inflation is going to eat away at it slowly, like, you know, the bed bugs that you hopefully do not have. Investing it and getting more from it is what they specialize in at Aptus, and they do it on your behalf, and they are fiduciaries. And that's an important distinction to know. A fiduciary is someone who is legally obligated to do what is best for you. When my wife and I sat with our consultation with Josh and with the team, they laid it out very clearly for us as to where we were in our savings. We were at a point in our life where we weren't on the cusp of retirement, but we knew that we were close enough to it that if we made a big mistake, if we didn't pay attention, if we weren't watching the headlines or we made a bad move, it could have catastrophic, unconquerable adversity that would be introduced. So we feel great peace of mind having Josh and the Aptus team in charge of our investments. And they frankly outlined a lot of things, and this may not speak very well of me, of options that I did not know I had, or I could be protected in terms of getting some of the gains of the market, but protected against some of the downs of the market. And so I would highly encourage you to sit for your free consultation. Set it up by calling Aptus, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or you can do it online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Uh, as we end this first segment, let's get into some of those numbers like your generation, the Gen Xers, what they need to be, quote unquote, happy in retirement, and then what maybe by stark contrast, what millennials, those essentially 30 to 40, believe they need in terms of annual income to be happy in retirement. Yeah, we talked a little bit offline on this, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to have to stretch this into the next segment because it's just staggering, the numbers. Uh, this is from MoneyWise uh, via MSN.com, and it was, what do millennials versus other generations believe they need to make to be, quote, happy? And one thing, well, first, let's, millennials were born in 1981 through 1986, so they're somewhere you know, late 20s to early 40s. Mm -hmm. The first thing was, if you look at all the generations, you said, how many people believe you can buy happiness with money? And uh, the number was about 59, 60% believe that you can essentially purchase happiness. Millennials, on the other hand, about three quarters of them think that you can buy happiness. And you and I kind of offline were bantering back and forth. And I said, what do you think the number is? What kind of income do you think somebody needs to make to be happy? And, you know, what is happiness, right? So they defined that. Happiness means you can pay your bills on time. You can live relatively debt-free. You can afford everyday luxury items like the new cell phone that just came out. 
Or, you know, you can spend some money on experiences, trips with your loved ones and own a home. So we're not talking about anything completely earth shattering. We're talking about kind of the traditional American dream. Well, Gen uh, Xers said we need to make about, which I'm a Gen Xer, uh, older older than the millennials, said we need to make about 130000 bucks a year. Gen Zers said about 128000 bucks a year. But then in come the millennials. And uh, it jumps off the page. Yeah. I believe you need to make $526,000 a year to be happy. Now, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because if you're making $526,000 a year, well, first, congratulations, good for you. You're in the top 1% of wage earners in the country. But what that means is in order for me to be, quote, unquote, happy, I have to be in the top 1%, which then flip side means there's a 99% chance that I'm unhappy with my life. Because I'm not making the adequate amount of money. Yeah, that is definitely a problem, and we will talk more about that. And we'll also talk about one mistake that you could make in retirement. It's not really as much what you're invested in as to perhaps something that we all are guilty of in some way, shape, or form in our lives. 614-917-1040 to set up your consultation with Aptus Wealth Management. Back in a moment with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus Wealth Management offers you a free consultation to go in to their offices in Lewis Center and have a conversation about investing in retirement, reaching your goals in retirement, attaining financial independence, all those things. It is something that you have a much better chance of recognizing your goals if you are strategic and in my opinion, as a client of Aptus, something you have a much better chance of achieving if you have a fiduciary, someone who's legally obligated to act on your behalf, uh, monitoring your finances, uh, staying on top of it on a day-by-day basis, nuanced in all the different uh, machinations of the markets and all the different investment vehicles out there. That's why uh, my wife and I have placed our trust in Josh. We are very, very happy with the results. And I would Strongly encourage you to take advantage of that free consultation, which you can set up by calling their office at 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You know, I know all of you have heard the phrase that uh, something is not a marathon, it's a sprint, and really, or uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon or whatever. Uh, retirement is not something that uh, you can get right unless you happen to win the lottery if you start investing in retirement at age 60. So the earlier you start, the more you ingrain that discipline in your life, the better chance you will have, the better chance you will give your investment advisor a chance to help you attain your goals. And in order to achieve that, uh, I think everybody has a vision in mind of what retirement looks like for them. And Josh, uh, you were telling me that you came across a, uh, a story basically breaking down by age brackets uh, what people view as a necessary income level to be happy in retirement. And they define being happy in retirement as an ability to pay their bills, an ability to live debt-free, an ability to own their own home, and an ability to afford everyday luxury items, which I would assume that would mean like what, car, vacation, maybe those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm guessing, you know, dress dress with the designer clothes. Yeah. Carry the designer phone, right? The problem with that, as I see it, is that if those are the definitions of happiness, um, you'd probably tend to be 
in uh, not really investing, spending your income on those things rather than I didn't see on that list being disciplined and setting aside a good chunk of my income so that when I retire, I'll be able to actually live that way. Which ironically, you know, the same people that are watching TikTok and, and Instagram reels and getting excited about, you know, the new shoes, the new watch, the new all of this are probably also following um, all of these kind of self-help, uh, how to get rich quick type people. And if you listen to all those, almost all of them will tell you the key to happiness is making a promise to yourself and keeping it, which has nothing to do with money. So I think, you know, this points towards a problem, uh, not generationally with just you know, millennials or Gen Zers or Gen Xers or whoever it might be, but kind of a problem with the culture where we're creating an environment where happiness is going to be fleeting and hard to find. Uh, but if you look at, you know, retirement, what makes people happy in retirement is the same thing that makes people happy when they're not in retirement, like having a sense of purpose, yeah. being disciplined, accomplishing goals, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why it's so important you know, we talk a lot, Bruce, on this show about what is the most important things you can do. And, and you know, I think we're kind of using this this show today is is not talking about those finite in the weeds items like, well, as a Roth conversion, does that make more sense? Or should I put money in my 401k or a traditional IRA or what should I do? I think what we're really covering here is what is what are uh, unequivocal money moves you can do that nobody can argue with? And the dumbest money move you can make is don't save money. That's the dumbest thing that you can do. Um, and then we can talk about, you know, where does that money go and what's the market look like? But ultimately, uh, whether you're retired or you're not retired yet, you need to have a disciplined, thought-out plan that you follow through on. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, the, and there's so many different investment vehicles out there. And um, I've said before on this show, and I will never deny that I thought I had a pretty good idea of, you know, the options that I had out there, say I knew about mutual funds, I knew about bonds and treasuries and this, that and the other. But I didn't have a clue as to what uh, the best investment vehicle would be for my wife and I until I sat with Josh. And it's not necessarily like one thing. It was a whole, it was, a, it was an option for me. To, I didn't know I could capture some of the upside of the market, uh, but also protect myself against some really bad downsides of the market, things like that. So uh, I viewed my consultation with Josh and uh, his team as more of an educational experience for me. It was no pressure at all. I've, met, I've told you guys before, I knew Josh for two years and I had to broach the topic of him of, hey, you know, are we ever going to have a conversation about me perhaps being a client? Like he never pressured me at all. So it is a no pressure uh, conversation. And you can set it up by calling 614-917-1040. That's their office number at Aptus, which their office is just off Route 750 in Lewis Center. Very easy to get to, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And what you'll get is you'll come to uh, a meeting of the minds on, okay, this is how you view risk. This is what you've uh, set aside for your retirement investments so far. and we call it the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show for a reason. Uh, out of those conversations come a blueprint, which offers you options in terms of how do you want to attack your retirement. But you can't attack it. You can't plan for it. You can't work toward it unless you have the discipline to invest in it. And so those are conversations that are certainly uh, prudent to have. The earlier you have them, the earlier you ingrain that discipline, 
the better it off it is for you. And I would say too, um, one of the things, Josh, that I'm I'm assuming you encounter is that when people come in, uh, they have done some planning, they have done some investing, and maybe they have in their mind something that they, for whatever reason, logical or illogical, have uh, a visceral love for or a visceral disdain for or somewhere on that continuum. There's a term that we get into now uh, in culture called confirmation bias, where maybe you have a certain political view and that predicts what kind of uh, television news you're going to watch or, you know, various different kinds of things. I, I don't like sushi. I'm never going to try sushi. So I'm going to always go eat steak when I go to a nice restaurant. That's confirmation bias. Do you find you run into confirmation bias very often in your conversations with people when you have those consultations that are available to people if they call your office after hearing the opportunity on the show? Well, I think there's two types of confirmation biases that we run into most frequently. Uh, one is product confirmation bias. For example, um, I never want to be in an annuity contract, or I never want to have my money in the stock market, or insert kind of a sector or a category of investment. And then the second is a bias against economic data, meaning that I think that we're it's impending doom. Matter of fact, as we're sitting here recording this, I got a I got an email on my phone and it said how to prepare for uh, the impending economic doomsday. Mm. The other thing that we can't ignore is that not only do we have biases towards what we think, but with the new generation and the new technological world that we live in, we end up living in an algorithm of that bias or an echo chamber. So the second I look up, do I think that the world, the the economy is going to go down the toilet? I'm going to get 90 different text messages. You and I both know you don't even need to type it. You can just say it around your phone and you'll start getting them. And then that creates kind of this visceral uh, repeating loop that just becomes a huge bias. And that's a huge problem. Um, it's a problem in a myriad of ways. And let's let's just we'll look at the market in general today and then we'll kind of break it down to individual products. But you could make a very staunch argument that the bulk of the returns of the market in the last five months have been because of psychology and not because of actual data. People have an extreme fear of missing out or FOMO, as the kids say, right? So a lot of people are investing in the market because the market's just done so gosh darn good that I don't want to avoid it. The unfortunate reality of that is if that's the reason you've got in and you haven't experienced real loss in the market yet, which happens, by the way, and I'm not I'm not arguing against investing in the market. It's the single best place to put your money on the planet. However, if you haven't lived through 809, 0809, if you haven't lived, which was the financial crisis, if you haven't lived through the dot-com uh, bubble back in 0102, you don't know what it feels like for your balance to go down, not for one year, but for years, because we just haven't experienced that yet. And now you look back, uh, Bruce, we said, we've been doing this show for quite a while. We said a couple of years ago, that I believe that the next couple of years are just going to be kind of a lot of sideways static with a lot of volatility. Well, here we are over the last two years, we're right where we started, but we haven't lost any money. So the, the, the concern moving forward is if you're getting in only for the sole purpose of not missing out, what happens if we have a correction? It's going to be exacerbated more than we've seen in the past because all of these fair weather investors, if you want to call them that, 
will get out, but they have a bias that they have to get in. So that's that's one real risk. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that fear of missing out because I ran across a headline in a story today where it was quoting uh, Paul Krugman of the New York Times, and he's not typically someone that I'm in accord with on the economy, and I thought he would be writing a story uh, lauding the Biden economy and talking about the stock market, which reached a record high, and it's over 38,000. And he was saying exactly what you just said in that, you know, if you look the underpinnings of the market, that there's this belief out there, well, the Fed has raised rates and they've raised rates and they've raised rates and sooner or later they're going to lower rates. And so there's this enthusiasm building for an anticipated lowering of rates. And that's why, in his opinion, a lot of people are getting into the market and why the market is rising. But but he was saying you might want to pump the brakes on that, that that may not, in fact, happen. And then if it, in fact, does not happen, then we're back to a conversation that I'm sure you have with a lot of your clients, which is risk. And what is their risk tolerance and what is their stomach for a month drop in the market or a three month drop in the market or something like that? Yeah, you know, Warren Buffett has a great quote. and He's paraphrasing um, Ben Graham, who Warren Buffett you know, uh, gives all the credit to everything he's ever known from the intelligent investor, which was a book written a really long time ago by a guy named, by the name of Ben Graham. And he ended up going to Ben Graham and mentoring with him. But this is the paraphrase pro quote. He said, in the short run, the market is a voting machine, but in the long run, it's a weighing machine. And I think that's exactly what the gentleman you just mentioned and I are both articulating is, Right now, the market is surging because it's simply just a voting machine of everybody saying sounds good. But ultimately, we'll have a appeal back to what is fundamentally relevant to a company making money. And that doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be in the market. What it means is you shouldn't be in the market just because everybody's doing it. Uh, I mean, to that token, and I, I, I talk to a lot of kids, you know, I have two teenage boys, one younger than that. Um, I like to speak to kids at universities. And even when I go talk to financial uh, finance students at universities, the way they talk about investing these days is very akin to gambling. And by akin to gambling, I mean, they're not worried about what are the prospects of their investment over the next 20, 10, 20, 30 years. They're worried about what are the prospects for the investment over the next six months? How can I buy Bitcoin right so that I can take a 10 bucks and turn it into a thousand bucks in the next three weeks. Uh, th that's a really terrible way to view investing because it's not fundamental. You're just trying to get on an emotional wave. And why that's of such concern, it's not a, as huge a concern other than just fundamentally a bad way to invest and probably one that won't return well because it's emotional. And we've talked many times about how people who work with financial planners end up retiring with more money because of just simply removing the emotions from the equation. But it's a bad call because if you're close to retirement and you're not young, these types of poor decisions can have catastrophic impacts that you can't, we're not talking about, if you're retiring at 70 years old and your only life expectancy is only 80, uh, I don't care what your 30-year prospect is uh, on your investments. We're only worried about the next 10, so we better invest accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, people... Um view retirement as like a big pot of money and they're taking out of the pot of money and they're hoping that this doesn't run out before it's over. But I think a better way to look at retirement is you have uh, 
investments and they're producing income for you. And even as you're withdrawing from your investments, they can still be producing income for you. And that's what they specialize in at Aptis is having your investments in the right places, in the right buckets, in the right vehicles, if you will, so that as you uh, make decisions and then they'll help you make these decisions about when's the, the best time for you to take social security, the best age to take social security, uh, sequence rate of returns and required minimum distributions. And are you in an IRA or are you in a Roth IRA or all those things? That's where their expertise comes in at Aptis. And that's why I think it would be very, very prudent of you and actually silly for you not to sit for that free consultation with them. No obligation at all. They're not going to hound you if you don't come back in or whatever. 614-917-1040. It's not a low pressure environment. It's a no pressure environment. 614-917-1040. And you can also make your appointment online at Aptis Wealth. A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And one of the things that they'll talk to you about and try to assess is to find out how you view risk. And there are a couple different ways to view risk. I mean, you can close your eyes and, you know, like you drive around a corner with your eyes shut and just say, well, I know that I have to invest and I'm just going to ignore risk and I'm just going to go. Or you can uh, you can avoid it altogether and just say oh, I'm not I, I want to be in the most conservative investments possible. But here was something I read this week that really struck me, and I wonder if this plays into confirmation bias for some people. Josh, the author says you can transfer your investment risk to an insurance company. With some of the things they brought up were when it comes to retirement planning, there are forms of insurance such as specially designed life insurance policies or an income-focused annuity than, that can absorb risks that pertain to a retiree? Yeah, there's a myriad of ways you can do this. Um, insurance companies are one way. Um, you can do it through uh, derivatives in the market as well, like hedging uh, your investments in the market. But all of these different strategies point towards the same goal. And the same goal is this. I know that if I invest in the, let's just take an index, we large in part call the S&P 500 the market because it's the 500 arguably largest companies in the United States. So if they're doing well, then the economy as a whole is typically doing well. Um, so let's say I wanted to invest in the market and put money in the S&P 500. Well, I, I can just invest in an ETF or a, an index mutual fund and buy the S&P 500 at a very low cost. And if that index does 10%, I do 10% or really, really close to it. And if it does negative 10%, I get negative 10%. But the flip side of that is also true. If it does 30, I do 30. If it does negative 30, I do negative 30. And, and maybe that type of volatility and swing is just a little too much. And has that happened? If you look at 08 and 09, from peak to trough, the market went down over 50%. So if you're not comfortable in the short run having your 401k turn into a 201k, then that's not a level of risk that you should be partaking in. Now, the flip side of that, though, is if you would have held on for another five or 10 years, you were very handsomely rewarded. But that doesn't mean that that short-term pain doesn't have an impact. So the way that you can invest in these other things, again, whether it's insurance or through using other options in the stock market, is you can kind of put some relative bookends on where you can land. So think about it as if you've ever, I went bowling with my son over the weekend, I haven't been bowling forever, and he's six, so he put up the bumpers, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a real strike if you get a real strike if the bumpers are up, right? But nevertheless, you're never going to go in the gutter either. You can do that with the with investing. If the market goes up 30%, you might not get 30%. Maybe you only get 80% of what the market does. But on the downside, you can limit your amount of loss as well. 
So maybe that's, I don't want any loss. Well, then maybe I don't get 80%. Maybe I only get 50% of what it does, but I get zero losses. If I assume 80% of the upside, well, then maybe I'm going to assume the first 10% of losses or something to that respect. Obviously, I'm not discussing any individual actual investment here, but kind of the concept as a whole. And for a lot of folks, particularly those that are getting very, very close to retirement, they say, I know I need to be in the market, but man, it scares the heck out of me right now. Uh, but I know that if I put my money in CDs or I put my money in uh, a money market, although they look very attractive today, if the Fed starts lowering interest rates, that's not a viable long-term plan because I can't retire on the rates of two years ago. And if they get back to where they were two years ago, I'm I'm hosed. So I know I need a combination of things. It would make me feel really good if I knew that at least a portion of my money was protected to a significant degree against market loss while still allowing me to participate in the market. And that statement you made that you hear from people saying, you know, I'd like to, I know I need to be in the market because, you know, for instance, this week when I heard the market was at 38,000, I thought to myself, you know, I remember when it went over 30,000 for the first time, that was a huge deal. Now it's at 38,000. Okay. So, but in between 30 and 38, I'm sure it was like down under 30, maybe way down under 30 at some point in time. Do you have the stomach to stay in there believing it's going to go up to 38 because that is what has traditionally happened? And you said, people say to you, I know I need to be in the market, but I'm it scares me. Well, fear is one of the most powerful emotions that we have as human beings. And fear of the unknown is, is doubly uh, on that scale. So... That is what I gained from sitting with you and Sherry and I sitting with you is that, hey, we can take out a lot of the unknown. We can take out a lot of the fear and the volatility of the market with various vehicles out there. And I'm certainly very, very happy with our returns, very, very happy with our relationship. In fact, we're going to get together soon as soon as I get over this uh, cold that I have. And we're going to do our checkup, which that's an important part of this, too. When you sit for your consultation with Josh, you'll get a blueprint. What course do you want to chart for the future? But then it's not like you walk out the door and you never see each other again and you never interact with each other again because, you know, Josh, there's, that's the difference between having a plan and working a plan. And that's something that I know you guys prioritize very, very much at Aptus Wealth Management. Yeah, I think oftentimes one of the, the concerns that clients have when they come in is uh, they're going to try and push this product on me. They're just trying to sell this product, right? They're just salespeople trying to sell products. And that's it's really not the case. And I think, you know, you could speak to this. It's really a combination of tools. It's no different than anything else. There is no one size fits all for everybody. We have clients that run the gamut, clients that say, I understand that the stock market gives me the best chance of long-term success, but I would rather just live smaller or save more and take all the risk out of it. Okay, we can do that. But that doesn't mean you're going to have one thing either. You want kind of a uh, a whole bunch of different things. So you want that graph to be plentiful and not for no purpose, but because your money has to have a purpose and purpose drives what the investments go in. So if your purpose is, I really want to have just a large net worth and I'm going to work for the rest of my life. All right. Well, that's one way of investing. If your other is, I want to retire as quick as possible and get away from this job. Well, then that's a different timeline and a different purpose. And that's what truly drives the investments that we decide and we pick. But you can speak to this as well, Bruce. You're in the driver's seat. It's my job to educate you on your choices. It's my job with you to build a plan that fits you. But ultimately, you're the one that has to live the plan. 
Um, I'm going to try and keep you accountable, but it's it's your bed. You have to sleep in it. So you have to be bought in and you have to make the final decision. Yeah, 100 percent. And the other thing that I would say, too, is, folks, you may wonder, like, uh, if you have a particular viewpoint of certain investments or certain things that you don't want to be invested in, well, Josh and his team respect that. They absolutely will. Uh, we had that conversation briefly, Josh, and just maybe uh, uh, reference that here in the final few seconds that we have in terms of your own sensitivity to actually allowing people to be in the driver's seat of the decisions that are made. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately everybody wants to live their life their way, and and that's fair. Um, and that could range from, again, we talked about a lot of volatility. I don't want a lot of volatility in my portfolio. Okay, fine. But that could reach all the way to I want to be responsible morally and ethically with how I invest money. So I don't want to be invested in companies that uh, are affiliated with tobacco. I don't want to be affiliated with companies that are affiliated with alcohol or whatever it might be, all the way to, you know, there's a lot of um, moral type uh, investment strategies now that even lean into biblically responsible investing. How do you do that? And we have the ability to accommodate all of those things to a very significant degree. So you're in the driver's seat. Just tell us what you want to do and we'll make it happen for you. Absolutely right. You will always have the options and it certainly is a no pressure environment at Aptus. I strongly encourage you to sit, get to know Josh like I have, uh, get to know his team, have those conversations. You'll be so much more at peace in your mind in terms of approaching your retirement when you do. 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Brett. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.